What is actually going on at Chiefs camp? The curious case of Kadarius Tony's timeline is coming up today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, friends. And as all of you who've been to St. Joe may have seen Matt Derrick, who's here with us today. We appreciate you making your first listen here at Locked On Chiefs. Make another Locked On show your next listen. We would appreciate it because there's news everywhere. It's not just about the two guys we're talking about today as well as some camp risers, but those are the most important stories. We appreciate you getting subbed here on YouTube. Click that bell, hit the button, the whole nine yards. Get over on Spotify and Apple and get subbed there as well because there will be times, especially during training camp, if we're in, in motion or whatever, I may have to give you something that's just audio only, so be prepared. We would appreciate that. You everydayers, we very much appreciate you guys as well. And if you want to be one of them, you want in on the text line, text us right now at 816-357-8781 and get in on the action. We love doing it, and it's going to be another way that we can communicate a little bit faster. We're really looking forward to it. So that all said, I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, NFL33.com and RGR Football. And he's Matt Derrick, the editor-in-chief of Chiefs Digest, Matt. How's this week going for you? Is it warm? Uh, a little warm, a little humid, uh, throw in a little rain, and we got, we've had everything in the, the last, I guess, 96 hours or so in St. Joe. Right. We had 69 and beautiful, you know, on, on Friday. And we've had, we had 70% humidity today. We got indoors and outdoors on Monday. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's St. Joe and three days in the camp and we've already had pretty much every bit of weather you can have in St. Joe. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That sounds excruciating, but not abnormal. What is abnormal is we're three days into camp and I have three, 17, probably different scenarios, but what in the world's going on with Kadarius Tony? Everyone seems to say something one day and then it's wrong the next. I'm a little bit tired of being wrong, to tell you the truth. So right now, the latest that we have today is that he did have a, a, a surgical cleanup again. But now they said it, it wasn't a month ago or it wasn't during the summer. It was now just yesterday. So as far as you know, the current situation, is his knee still attached to the rest of his body? <laughs> I think the important thing to recognize here, Ryan, is that that the Chiefs are for the, for the most part and are, are taking the Obi Wan Kenobi approach, which is usually my approach with most things, at the, especially at the poker table. Everything they say is true from a certain point of view. Kadarius Tony tweaked his knee on, on 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 Sunday on the opening day of training camp. Now, tweaked could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. In this case, it meant that he tore a piece of his meniscus. Um, now. The more the details of that, uh, when was the last time he had the knee worked on? Andy Reid told us on Tuesday that it was worked on when he was with the Giants. And there was a report on Monday that he had had work done in the offseason, but Andy Reid told us that was not the case, that this was actually maybe a cleanup from something that had happened a while back. So your mileage may vary on that statement. Um, but Travis Kelsey seemed to give us a pretty good indication on Monday when he gave us his injury report, which was at that point, the team hadn't said anything. And Travis just basically comes out and says, well, he might be ready for week one. Who knows? I mean, and that's the case. I mean, with an injury like this, four to six weeks would be the typical recovery. Um, certainly won't be available for any of the preseason games. It's a matter of whether or not he's going to be ready to go in week one. 
And that would be, I mean, at the absolute most ideal timeline that he's able to get back and get some time in. But remember, because of that timing with, you know, the Chiefs and having that opening week game and and the time off that's mandated in the collective bargaining agreement, he's not going to have a whole lot of practice time if, say, he ends up five weeks in getting out on the football field. So, uh, I mean, Kadarius Toney, as as Andy Reid said on Tuesday, is bound to determine to play in that week one game. It's going to be hard, but it could happen. Is week two a more likely scenario? Yeah, but... Knock on wood for you, Chiefs fans. I mean, this doesn't does not seem like it's something at this point that's a long term issue that he will be back. It's just a matter of when. For those of you who are wondering, you know, it, it was it was a tweak. Yes, now that we have the meniscal tear confirmed, there's a couple of ways they can go about it. They can go and sew that thing back together and try to set that down. That takes a little bit longer. Or they can go out and cut a, a pie shaped piece of it out. Let the joint inflammation come down and settle. That sounds like the way that it's going. That is a, a three to six week timeline most of the time. So it's still within the realm of possibility. But let's let's be pragmatic here. Say he needs the five weeks. He's not going anywhere. You got to put him on the 53. So that means you're going to have to cut someone that may have made it earlier and try to do the whole practice squad rotation. What does that do? If his recovery, say, takes him to week three, what does that do for who we're going to see on the field initially in weeks one and two from the wide receiver core. Yeah, it brings in an interesting scenario because you're, you're right. I mean, unless the Chiefs are planning on him and missing several weeks, IR is not an option. I mean, you can now do that when you do the cut down to 53 and not save a roster spot for anybody. But, you know, you're, that's only if you're planning on, the, on him being out an extended period of time and designate for return and all that. That's not the case here. So now, hey, does, if he can't play week one, but you're going to keep him on the 53, does that bring the seven wide receiver scenario back into play? Um, maybe so. I mean, you know, just depending on what they think they could get away with for a short period of time. I'm not convinced that it's going to have a huge impact on roster construction. Uh, I think that if, if the Chiefs want to keep seven receivers, I, I think they'll keep seven receivers. I don't think that it's a case where they'll say, hey, we're going to keep six, but because Tony's not healthy, now we need a seventh. I, I think that I don't think this is going to impact that. And the only thing that I think is really going to impact roster construction wise is that you may now have to just consider that you want in the short term or in the long term, a different punt return than Kadarius Tony, if you want to try and, and limit his work and not put him into some you know positions where he might get injured again. I, I think that's a viable scenario. And it, it makes me wonder about, is there someone who can step up that maybe we haven't seen before? We'll talk more about returners tomorrow, folks. But we need to talk about who's who's making some noise, who's standing out, the camp risers. That's coming up later in the show. But right after we get back, I want to talk about how this got to this situation with the star of the defense and what we see is going to happen from Matt's point of view and what's going on in the ground. We'll do that right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp, and it doesn't matter whether you're feeling unease or unsure about this season or something going on in your personal life. Therapy can help, and if you've benefited from therapy in your past, you can apply that in the future, and if you need to try it out from scratch, I think you're going to like it. It allows you to take a step forward and become your better self, and BetterHelp is here to help you do that. If you're thinking about starting therapy right now, give BetterHelp a try. It's super simple, it's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. This is how it works. Just fill out a brief questionnaire so they can get to know you and have an idea of what you're looking for. You get matched to a licensed therapist. Sometimes that clicks right away. Sometimes in my case, 
you have to go back and try again. And that's what makes it easy because you can switch therapists at any time at absolutely no extra charge so that you get the fit that you're looking for. It's worth the effort and let that therapy be your map to better yourself with BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn is where you need to go. You can get 10% off your first month right now at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOn. Everybody needs help. Clearly, I need help understanding the situation where we've gone all summer and you and I talked about all summer that, hey, this really should be a slotting in between numbers kind of thing. We're going to get to the night before camp and everything's going to be well. Somebody listened to us and decided we are crazy. So at this point, I'm starting to feel like there was more under the current than we originally thought, at least that I did. Um, Maybe you were were Obi-Wan in this particular scenario and I'm just the guy with the braids still, but as it stands today with Chris Jones and the report of the the contract, I won't say demand, but request and where that stands, should we be preparing ourselves to not see Chris for a while? Is this, is this a seven day thing? Is this a 10 day thing? Are we talking about maybe not seeing him in camp this season? I mean, I really can't fathom that possibility. I mean, especially the way that the, with the collective bargaining agreement now and the fine structure. I mean, at this point, Chris has already cost himself $200,000 in fines for missing the first four days of training camp. And that's just going to keep adding $50,000 every day. Um, so I, I got to think at some point that this is going to come to an end. I mean, especially once the peer pressure gets involved. I mean, players by and large, let each other take care of their own contracts and their business. And what you usually hear is, hey, exactly that. That's his business. This is a business. you got to take care of yourself and watch out for yourself. That's a great statement up until games get closer and closer and guys are out there with their pads on working out in St. Joe with 90-degree heat and 70-degree humidity. And then it gets to be, hey, wait a minute, we're trying to win a Super Bowl here. We need you here. Um, that's the, that's the, that's the line that Chris Jones will come up to at some point. I mean, right now everybody's towing the company line, but as you said, I mean, it it seems like it's as easy as a situation of where you slot in Chris Jones, where, where the market is. And the problem is that when Quentin Williams signs his deal at 24 million per, which let's go with the fine print, it's really 22, but (laughs) you know, go with the 24 number. Well, then you go all the way up to 31.67 to get to Aaron Donald. And that's a wide, what's a wide window, especially Mm -hmm. when you then take that $7.6 million gap and you multiply it by three or four years. However, the length of this contract is going to be, we're not talking about a couple of million dollars here. We're talking like 21 to $28 million difference in what, you know, can be the, the, the range of windows of this contract. So, I mean, what I'd heard all along was really from the chief side of things that they felt like that once Quentin Williams got done, this was going to be an easy negotiation because Chris understood that, hey, if you want to win a Super Bowl and stay in Kansas City, you're going to have to take a bit of a discount. And, you know, what we seem to be running into is that the, the Chris Jones side of the equation isn't taking a discount. And when you hear things like Andy Reid saying, well, we had had great communication with Chris Jones. And now there's an implication that maybe there's not communication or communication is not great. You're, you're bound to get questions. And like I said, right now, everybody is towing the company line. They're saying the right things publicly, but the fact that Chris isn't there is a sign that these two sides are not close. 
and we'll see what happens. I mean, remember last year when the day the pads came on and this year it's going to be Friday, uh, Orlando Brown showed up because that's kind of a line of demarcation. So that's the same thing. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. And and frankly, I'm kind of surprised that Chris didn't show up anyway. Um, With some of the players we've seen around the league, you know, we have seen guys doing a hold in where they will show up, but simply not practice. Vikings have a situation like that going on right now with Daniel Hunter. Um, it, it could happen, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he didn't show up. And obviously Andy Reid said he was surprised too that Chris is not here. I don't know where it goes from there other than, like you said, at some point the, the fines and the rubber hits the road and being part of this roster, being in the trenches, like you said, when pads come on on Friday, that'll be a $300,000 at that point, right? Unless I'm doing my math incorrectly. And that would be... That would seem to me, if I'm the guy trying to get paid, like that's a threshold that I, I'm pretty comfortable with. I don't want to go another week. I don't want to rack up another $350,000 in fines that can't be forgiven once the contract is signed. And don't come off the cap. Everyone loses in this particular situation. So I hope that that's the way that it gets done. We don't have any more information, folks. When we do, I will let you know. But that is a central pivot that I think is a bigger distraction probably for the team because I don't think it was ever supposed to get to this point. And in his stead, uh, Wise is getting some reps with the ones. I don't know how it looked today. I haven't seen the reports. I want to know how the rookie's doing. What does the defensive interior look like to you without Chris out there? Yeah, you mentioned Daniel Wise. He's been the guy who's been getting the bulk of the work in Chris's absence. Um, and, and really, I mean, remember this time, this was the first, Tuesday was the first day with shells and spiders. So we're still not getting a lot of contact. Um, but it was also the first day there was any type of run period for, you know, with, with 11 on 11 out there. And, you know, it, it, it is, I mean, run with shells and spiders, not full pads. So, I mean, the run defense looked good. I mean, was Daniel Wise the key point of that? No. I mean, the re- reason the run defense looked look good is, one, they knew they were running the football. But, but, two, you know, they've got other good run defenders on this team that are coming along. So, uh, I don't – I mean, it's hard to really, to me, gauge anything because it, I don't think you can really gauge until the pads come on. That's when you'll really start to see a difference. Um, that's when the physicality steps up. That's when defensive line, offensive line play becomes, you know, more – focused and you can you can really tell right now i mean it's not it's a passing camp that's what it is so we're not going to learn a lot and see a lot um but I, at the same time I, I think you can you can definitely see i mean chris jones isn't out there you know you can tell that chris jones isn't out there that's that's fair enough so the guys that can make an impact now are more um the passing game oriented guys guys in skill positions guys defending skill positions who's making some noise camp risers are coming up right after this so, Matt, I know what I'm hearing, and, and I I understand opportunistic play, and so I, I'm, I'm optimistic about a couple of guys. I'm not going to name them. I'm going to let you take us through who has stood out to you in the last couple of days that either surprised you or really just hit home that they're maybe more capable than we originally thought. Uh, who is at the top of your list that's, that's maybe standing out? I'll start on the offensive side first uh, with the with the, the the skill positions that everybody's most excited about, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I once again, I mean, this goes back to OTAs. You'd be hard pressed not to be impressed with Deneric Prince, um, even though I, I, I will say once again, wait till the pads come on to see what happens when, when he starts getting hit. But the guy one just continues to catch everything that's thrown at him. 
he has had a couple of catches even the last couple of days that I'm like, there's no way he's going to catch that. And he does. Uh, remarkable, remarkable hands that nobody saw coming. I mean, they they brought him here as an undrafted free agent because they thought he could run the football. Had no idea he could catch it like this. Um, but it's been really impressive. Uh, Sky Moore, it's definitely a, a riser. I mean, the difference between Sky Moore now and Sky Moore a year ago is light and day. I mean, it is just absolutely night and day, rather. Um, it is, uh, I mean, it's almost like it's not the same player. I mean, the, the yeah. leap that he has taken from year one to year two is is impressive. And the other guy I'm going to throw in there is Rasheed Rice. I mean, he has looked really good. I mean, for all the, the, the jokes about his fitness, he's shown no evidence whatsoever of not being physically fit. I mean, he's done all the work that's required of him. He has looked good from beginning end. Um, the hands have not been a problem. He has made some really nice catches. His body control uh, catch radius has been outstanding. I mean, to me, he he's been one of the best receivers. And again, that's something you want to monitor once it gets more physical out there. But so far he's been great um, on the defensive side. Uh, I mean, not a not a not a young guy, but Drew Tranquil's been around for a while, and I think everybody should know Drew Tranquil's a good football player. I didn't know he was this good. I mean, yeah. he's really good. Um, I mean, he always played well against the Chiefs, and you could see what he could do in the passing game, especially in coverage. Um, but he's been outstanding. I mean, I think he had three passes broken up today. Um, had one that he wanted to get an interception, and it could have been. Um, but he's done a, an outstanding job. And there's two quarterbacks that I think have really stood out. One is Nazee Johnson, who got reps with the first team on Tuesday um, and has really made outstanding leaps. And all, all the coaches are talking about you know, how much he's improved this year. Um, he's been really impressive. And Nick Jones, the, the seventh-round draft pick, has been really impressive. He's a ball hawk. He just seems to be around the ball all the time. And, yeah, you've seen some, there's going to be some rookie growing pains. He's going to make some mistakes. Um, but he's really impressed me to the point where I think you're going to have to find a way to keep him on the roster. And when you start counting down cornerbacks, defensive backs, that is going to be one of the toughest decisions that Brett Veach and his staff has at cut down. It seems like it's me. And that's the, the matchup that I was talking about. I've been looking forward to that for a few months now because they both seem to have a knack in Nazi in particular, ha having gotten his feet underneath him last year, I think the leap was a little bit much for him, but to make that, that surge now. When you say first team reps, I assume that means that it's Ladarius, uh, uh, Ladarius outside one, uh, McDuffie outside on the other, and him in the middle of the nickel. Is that correct? Um, uh, just a slight adjustment. I mean, he he's not out there in the base. So on the base, it's Snead and McDuffie out there. When when Johnson was coming in and sub packages, McDuffie was going into the slot, and it's Johnson on the right. Ah, okay, on the, on the outside. And so how is he faring, particularly against the, the bigger receivers? You said he was in position to make some plays today. Yeah, he, he really has. I mean, you can see his footwork and his, his speed is, is much faster than it was a year ago. I mean, and he's definitely been keeping up with some of the guys, even, you know, even with his he's got good size. But I um, saw him match up with Rasheed Rice today and, you know, the size wasn't a problem. I mean, he was he, he had some real he's had some really good tight coverages. Um, and he's been in the picture. That was, you know, really the kind of struggle. And, you know, Steve Spagnuolo talked about it a little bit, you know, the other day. Um, you've just seen his his reaction improve so much. And that's that's the real difference to me, because last year, you know, you saw, you know, Nazi was was late a lot. And I think that was just a lot of recognition and, and positioning. Now he seems to be doing a much better job with anticipation. He seems quicker, seems faster off the ball. Those are all, I mean, things you have to do at that position. And it's been impressive. I mean, when he's getting reps ahead of Josh Williams and Jalen Watson, that tells you 
about the leap that he's taking. Yeah, and I think that's encouraging because we just named two guys that could be nickels. You can like them in there. They can go outside. Then two more that are the current backups. Then McDuffie. That's five corners that are right now ready to go and play with LeJerry Sneed, who obviously we know uh, didn't get the contract extension, is, is probably playing for his next contract right now. McDuffie commented a little bit yesterday about how they've all come along. Does this go back to the whole group mentality that they had last year studying together? We heard uh, some positive comments about Cook. It seems like all the young DBs have taken that step forward in year two together as well, including Nazi Johnson. Yeah, and it, it's interesting. And, and Steve Spagnuolo actually sent a little bit of a message to somebody on Monday. We don't know who, but he told us that there was somebody, one of the rookie class members who was falling into his old rookie habits and and had to had to have a talking to him with him about that. And he didn't he he said, I'm not gonna tell you who it was, and <laughs> I won't speculate about who it was, but I think it was probably one of the corners. But you know, that I th- I think there's something to what you said there, which is that that group is really tight knit, you know, even and it's not a clicky group. It's not like the the rookie class of last year versus the world. I mean, they've they they are their they are a group, but they have welcomed in everybody else. I mean, that especially that cornerback group. I mean, Legarius Sneed's the the old man, and he's not that old. I mean, he's the only right. fourth year in the league. So you know, you you do. I mean, they they do seem like they're having a lot of fun together. And Justin Reed um, just seems so much more comfortable as a leader of that secondary too. You know, if you want to fold in the safeties with that. Um, and, and I think his leadership is really starting to come through this year and having a guy like that in that defensive back room, I, I think it's finally starting to pay the dividends that the chiefs thought it would last year. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I want to know a couple other things too, just because, um, I'm excited about certain aspects. What is Leo Chanel doing out there? He's playing some football. Um, (laughs) is he chasing the quarterback as efficiently as I want him to? I don't, I don't, that's another one of the positions that I think it's really hard to tell because, you know, I say it's a passing camp at this point. And so at this point, it's been asking a lot of guys to do coverages. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of the things that Leo is going to be asked to do right now. But honestly, you know, when the Chiefs are going into the sub packages, I mean, it's going to be Nick Bolton and and Drew Tranquil that are going to be the guys that are out there. If there's a third guy in coverage, probably going to be Willie Gay. Um, just because of his speed and his athleticism. And so then that, you know, Chanel kind of gets pushed out a little bit. So we'll see what happens, especially in passing situations. If Chanel stays in there for some edge rushing or pass rushing capabilities or blitzing. But I I mean, I'm with you. I mean, we haven't really seen them give him a chance to maybe kind of crash down a little bit and some three, four fronts and be the fourth guy. I've always thought he would be perfect for that, Mm -hmm. but we really haven't seen it yet. Well, we'll talk to Joe and see what Mr. Cullen has to say about that because I, I think it's in the book somewhere. Um, if you had one dark horse to pick after a few days of camp here, I know it's still very early. Who do you have that stood out the most that has a shot at this roster? Who really good question. I mean, I'm trying to think about, you know, guys that coming into this didn't necessarily think had a shot at the roster, um, you know, and I'm <sighs> It's a hard one. I mean, it really is because at this point, I mean, I think that, I mean, I'll, I'll point to two guys that I don't believe I had on my my fifty three roster from from OTAs, and one was Nick Jones, just because even though he was impressive during OTAs, I felt like that defensive back room with the numbers that the Chiefs were going to keep, it was going to be hard to keep a seventh round draft pick. Um, I think he's playing himself right now. That I mean, my my next roster, he's going to be on it. 
And, you know, and that may mean that, you know, you're, you're short another position somewhere else. Um, and I'll, I'll put the other guy on from the offensive side is Justin Ross. I mean, um, I don't know if I'll have him on my next 53, but he is, he's at least in the mix. And, and some of that might be because some other guys have struggled. Um, I think John Ross has struggled a little bit more than I anticipated. Um, maybe that's not to be unexpected with the layoff for him. Maybe we'll get back, but it looks like some of his timing looks like it's a little bit off from just getting his hands on the football. He's had some bot drops and bobbles. If he can clean that up, I mean, he can change that in a hurry. Um, but, and, and I, like I said, I don't think to me, it's not that Justin Ross has been stand out. I think he still has a lot to prove and you can see that there's a lot to learn, but I, I don't think that he's had the fall off at some of the other guys have. And I, and this comes from a guy I've got Richie. I already had Richie James on my 53 and I, I think he still should be on the 53. Um, but he he's, he, and he's done nothing but make plays, but I'm just surprised that the chiefs have not had him out there a little bit more. Mm, yeah. And maybe that's because it's a known quantity. That's kind of how I feel about it. But Last question, because I just have to know because I'm stubborn. How are the prospects looking for my guy, Matt Bushman? Um, outstanding. And maybe Matt Bushman was the guy I should have gone along with all along. Yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Bushman catches everything. Um, just doesn't seem like he he uh, is ever in the wrong place. It never, never seems like he gets a drop. Um, he has been impressive ever since OTAs, and he's continued to look good. Um, now that we know that Travis Kelsey calls him the whitest guy in the team, he's he's got a nickname, the Snowman. Um, once you get the nickname, I think you're on there. And I mean, there's there's been a, a I mean, we pretty much generally agree. I mean, everybody I've talked to pretty much agree, generally agrees. The Chiefs are going to keep four tight ends. But now the question is, that fourth tight end, is it going to be Bell or is it going to be Matt Bushman? Um, preseason games will determine that. Um, if Matt Bushman does what he did in last year's preseason, performance-wise, I think he's got a real shot. It's all coming together, folks. I've been telling you. I've been telling you. Okay, I'm really happy to hear that, Matt. And I hadn't heard anyone that I trust tell me about Matt Bushman yet, Matt to Matt. Um, but I do want to point out one other thing here because, Tracy, I appreciate the comment. Uh, Matt, doing good, looking good. Looking healthy. And uh, the beard is a success, I think, for most people. I appreciate that. Thank you, Tracy. I, that was a, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys. There's a lot coming. We're going to have the rundown every day of the week here as we get in towards Friday on pads. That's the one that we're really looking forward to. Matt will be back next week. Chris and I are going to run down everything for you. We'll have some guests along the way. Really appreciate you guys being here. If you are not one of us yet, Make sure that you get over on the text line because that's where you want to get all the latest information. That's 816-357-8781. Go check out another Locked On show now and get more information on maybe one of the opponents. I kind of dig that. We appreciate you guys being here. Matt, thanks for being with us as always. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you next time.